every Arizona homeowner's best friend, and it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. I talk to the tree. Stop and hear what I say. Come on around back, Arizona. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, our outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the house. Second Saturday of the month, so we are talking trees. We have ISA certified arborist Sarah Maitland in studio from Save a Tree joining us. And you have brought a special guest, Laura Hackett from Liberty Wildlife Foundation. And we'll talk about uh, trees and the relationship they have with birds. But we have, if you're following along in our home maintenance calendar, our tree of the month that we always start with uh, in this broadcast, the weeping acacia tree. Good morning. Um, hi, I'm Sarah, and so we're talking about the weeping acacia, but really we look we refer to it more of a willow acacia um, in industry wide. But acacia salicina is a beautiful tree, very thin foliage, um, and can grow very tall, um, and and more of a narrow growing tree. So it's nice for areas where you don't have a wide spanning canopy. Um, it's from Australia, and um, I like it a lot. I'm going to plant it um, next to my um, barn for shade. And what really is nice is the owls in my neighborhood love the weeping acacia next to my house in my neighbor's yard. Um, but it's it's evergreen, and so it doesn't really um, ever lose its leaves. Um, it has some seed pods, and it has phylloids. So the leaves are a little bit different. It's not a true leaf. It's a phylloid. Um, and so it's, it's um, more of a leathery feel to it. And they can be long and narrow. Um, or they can be a little bit wavy. But the true leaves, if you see when it rains like times like now, are, are really insignificant, little tiny um, leaves at the tips. And those fall off and you mostly just see the phylloid. Learning some new things about trees. I didn't know they had a thyloid. Phyloid. Phyloid. Yeah, P-H-Y-L-L-O-D-E-S. And and the acacia tree, the key to this tree and really having success is fixing the roots when you plant it because they're very fast growing. And so they tend to circle in the pots really quickly. And then also staking it and, and structural pruning it when it's young. And then you're going to have a great tree. So very, very young. If you are at a nursery and you find one in a bigger container, uh, you've got to really look for the, the a root curl and, and correcting that when you go to plant? Correct. No matter how, how they grow them, it's impossible to not have <laughs> circling roots when you plant. <laughs> and so what do you do when you go to plant? You just shave off those roots that are circling and let them... Start. Well, what happens is the root um, hits the edge of the pot and turns, and it'll continue mm-hmm. to grow in that circle until you stop it. And so you open up the root ball and you cut it at the turn um, or straighten it if you can. But Very good. So that is our tree of the month. You can see pictures of it at rosieonthehouse.com right there in our quick links. You can see the weeping acacia tree. You can just click on it and uh, take a preview. Uh Introduce your guest. Yes. Um, I, I love birds, you guys. And 
Um, we really want to encourage habitat. Um, we're losing a little bit of birds, but I'll let Laura talk about it. This is Laura Hackett, and she came to join us today to talk about trees and birds. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm the education coordinator and also the wildlife biologist at Liberty Wildlife. We are a nonprofit wildlife uh, rehabilitation and education center, so we do focus primarily on birds, but we take in all kinds of sick, injured, and orphaned native wildlife. So we see a little bit of everything, and our hope is to rehabilitate them and get them back out into the wild, into the healthy habitats, so that they can survive and thrive out there. So trees are obviously an extremely important important part of that. And so before the broadcast started, you said you'd probably be a busy day because of the amount of wind we had last night. So how does, if somebody's out there and they find a, you know, some, a a baby bird that's blown out of the tree, out of the nest, they just bring it to y'all? Well, at this time of year, you're probably going to see a lot of doves and uh, dove babies, uh, especially on the ground after windstorms like that. What we actually promote doing is moving them to a safer location where they fell. See if you can find the nest to place them back up in there if they're not injured. If you can't, then leave them on the ground and see if the parents are nearby. A lot of times they will continue to take care of their young on the ground. Uh, If you don't see parents coming by or if you see an injury or if the baby does seem extremely young, uh, you can call our hotline and check to see if it's something that needs to be brought in, and you can bring it in to us. Um, We're open from 8 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Our window is usually fairly busy after these storms. So you said put the bird back in the nest if you're able to, which kind of dispels a myth that you've heard forever. Don't touch a bird or the mom's never going to come back to it. Exactly. We continue to hear that myth um, and people continue to tell it to their children and, and hold on to it for life. Uh, birds really don't have a great sense of smell at all. Uh, so if you touch a baby bird, the parents are not going to smell you on them and reject them. So you can place them back into a nest if it's safe. If you'd like to talk trees, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. You can text questions to four one one nine two three or you can send an email to info at rosieonthehouse.com. We have Sarah Maitland from Save a Tree and Laura Hackett from the Liberty Wildlife talking trees, the relationship trees have with birds, birds in our environment. And uh, we should probably real quick first though address a little bit of storm damage. It was quite a wind event last night. I, in from inside the house last night, it sounded like I, I was just waiting for you know the wicked witch of the west to come screaming down the road somewhere. I mean, it was blowing, and then this morning we had at least an inch of rain overnight. Yeah, uh, so. there was a lot of rain, and I'm sure there's a lot of storm damage. What really causes a lot of it is just improper pruning. Um, and and people tend to strip up their trees and re- remove all the lower branches and the interior branches. And, and the only place the tree can go is at, grow is at the end. And I was with my crew yesterday on site, and I saw this huge pile of, of, of foliage that they had removed. And I looked at the tree, and it didn't even look like it had been pruned. And that's when you bring in an excellent arborist and, and highly skilled uh, tree workers and, and you want to look at a tree and see the leaves and the foliage moving, but the major branches staying still. And that's all technique and skill and proper pruning. And, and getting ahead of it and keeping maintenance, not really just waiting till they're way too heavy. Maintenance and, and telling a tree which direction to grow by the way you prune it. 
we have a native Palo Verde that was a, you know just sprouted, uh, and I, I've almost cut it down a half dozen times because it's right next to our arena. And right now, you know, if you ride by it, you know those branches will take your head out, scratch you all up. So I, the only place I prune it is so you, when you can ride under either on the horse or the tractor, you're not getting hit. But it, the the, the whole top of it. There's like a big opening in it this morning. Like every single branch all the way around it is drooping a couple inches. And it looks like this big open hole right in the center on the top. And I've never seen that on a palaveria. Man, we really got hammered last night. Did you? I don't remember it. I just went out and rescued my tortoise from the rain. <laughs> but I, that's the only thing I heard last night. Um, your your so, tortoise could have caught the wash down the Indian bin. Indian, yeah. Indian been washing it up in the Gila River. But likely what you need to do is reduce some end weight on mm. that. And typically when you when you cut down the native Palo Verdes and they grow back, you get more of a bush than a tree. But you can still restructure them. And some of the other storm damage people are going to uh, be experiencing root, uh, you know, complete trees knocked yes. over with the entire root ball. And, and that's with your circling roots. They tend to, you know, as as the the girth of the trunk expands, it catches up with that circling root over time. Even though the tree's able to stabilize it, and it'll snap right there, or it just it just uproots because of the saturated soils. And you can have a soil failure, but um, maintaining the balance of the tree and end weight reduction um, is really key. Um, and so I'm just happy to work with um, Save-A-Tree and, and the highly skilled arborists that we have. Is that the reason why Palo Verde trees seem to be the biggest victim in a windstorm? They seem, I, I seem to, when something hits like what Romy was talking about last night, and I saw that on the radar, um, I see more Palo Verdes the victim of storms. Um, I, I think because they're, they're stripped up so much. I think that's why they're... they're they're made to be something they're not. They're really a big shrub in nature, and the winds kind of go up and over them. And as they're stripped up, and and the, the they catch like a sail in the wind. And Te- we Texans think a mesquite tree is a bush. Well, they native, ne- they native never mesquites trim up. are a lot like the native olive trees. They're just a they're, scrub bush. Is all a, they are. A shrub-like nature. And, and one of the things on our talking points today as well is, is disease prevention. Um, well, we've had a lot of saturated soils, so we want to turn off our irrigation on the trees and, and, and let, that, um, let them dry out a little bit. But the other thing that I see the most is trees planted really deeply and water right at the base. And that's where you're really going to get your root rot and your trees going down in storms. And if a tree's planted too deep, is there anything we can do about that? Yes. Um, we actually use air spades. Um, we take in, bring in a high-powered air compressor, and we use an air spade, and we blow the soil away from the roots, and we can do that without any harm to the roots. And we excavate, and we correct the planting level and kind of graduate it out into the landscape so it looks really natural and clean. And it, we save a lot of trees that way. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Do you know what the definition of an acorn is? Well, in a nutshell, it's an oak tree. 
On a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, a beautiful wet Arizona Saturday morning, nothing like that <coughs> smell of creosote in the desert to just really reinvigorate you after a hot summer. We've got Sarah Maitland from Save a Tree and Laura Hackett from the Liberty Wildlife. Uh, you guys are uh, quite busy during the break there. <laughs> Well, well, was Rosie that a little bird has identification? Been traveling and had some beautiful pictures of. We we're not sure if it's a warbler or a, a female tanager, but it was beautiful. Was a, I have to say that was a good picture. Yeah. And she just showed up. I was trying to take a picture of the nest, and then she flew right in front of the camera. Man, I went, and I mean, she's just inches from the camera. It is a pretty good shot. Nice. <laughs> Caught on your phone. Yeah. On a phone. All right. Well, we do have callers on hold, and we do have uh, text questions to raffle through. But before we start uh, diving into those, uh, I'll give you guys a minute to talk about the, the, the – I, I know you guys have quite uh, put uh, talking points put together. Well, um, Laura, you want to help us with that? Because I just really, really want to encourage people to plant trees and create habitats. So. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, probably the number one problem that – all wildlife faces, but especially the birds in this area, is, you know, habitat destruction. We're constantly building and expanding, and in order to do that, we take down a lot of trees and we lose so much habitat. Um, add to that also we've got fires that are destroying habitat. And then um, just just general infrastructure with larger buildings um, going up and just more housing and less room for these these birds, we really need to promote planting more trees, more shade trees, too, so that we can also then create kind of a little area underneath for the promote promotion of more flowering species that will attract more birds and just help them have a habitat, have that safety, have food, have water, and have that space so that we can help the decline of some of these species. Um, we call those microclimates. When you have trees and then you have shrubs and then you have smaller plants and it will really help to cool your environment around your house also. Um, and I think I have four bird baths out, two on the ground and two up. And um, yeah, yeah, it's super important, especially we're, we're in a harsh climate. We're in a desert. So it's, you know, unlike last night, we usually don't have a lot of water. Um, so promoting those cooler areas, promoting areas that will help retain some of the water, of, of course, is super important. So, um, and yes, having bird baths and having bird feeders out there. So looking at your your ground and seeing what kind of soil you have there, what kind of elevation you have there to help promote which species should be brought in, um, and then just taking care of it, you know, maintaining it, keeping it clean, but not super clean because that's not what birds want in the wild. They like it a little bit wild. Um, but making sure then, yes, if you have a, a water source there, that you're keeping that cleaned out as well so that you don't par pass on any of the diseases that can be passed on from bird to bird in water. Um, so, yeah, variety definitely will help bring in a variety of species, which is, what, of course, what every birder wants to see. Well, one of the things that, that I do and I really encourage is organic mulches and we, I just got four truckloads from the, the cruise dumped at my house, and I spread it all over. And what I found was the native species of shrubs, the Trixis californica, and, and you know, some of the, um, I don't know the common name on it. 
<laughs> now, um, you, they they sprout through the the wood mulch, the mulch. Um, that's underneath all of the trees. Now, and, as as the big boss at Save a Tree, I'm not the you, big boss. You can get any amount of mulch you want when you ask the crews to deliver mulch to your house. Do you request a specific species of tree? I or, don't. Or are there any you don't want? Um, pine is one that I don't want because okay. pines have an allopathy because they um, they prevent things from growing underneath them. Um, but mostly just a hardwood mulch that's fresh on top of the soil is the best thing you can do. And what is that word you just used that prevents things from growing around them? Allopathy. Allopathy. And is that what is in creosotes that keep other bushes yes. from growing around them? Well, yeah. Creosotes, black walnuts, um, and pines. Species a- like allio- that. Allopathy. Allopathy. All right. <laughs> There's a new word for it today. Let's see if we can quick get our first call in before bottom of the hour news break. We've got Carolyn joining the conversation. Let's talk about a Mediterranean palm. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a Mediterranean um, fan palm, which I I believe that's what it is. And the main stem of it has um, grown up and recently lost the fronds on top. But all the other branches look beautiful. They're full. They're healthy. And I just wondered, am I going to lose the rest of it because I've lost the main stem? Um, Can I I would that back? Yeah, I'd probably look into your roots um, and make sure you're not in an overwatering situation. Okay. Um, I I don't. I, so, how do you look into your roots? Well, <laughs> um, you could use a soil probe, um, something that's long and skinny that would go into the soil and and push it in and see if you got really wet soils or check your irrigation cycles and see if you you have too much water in the roots. Um, Mediterranean fan palms really like to dry out a bit. And typically when we start to lose a stalk at a time, it's something going on in the root system. And we didn't really have a big dry out between rain cycles over the last couple of weeks. So the soils have been saturated almost three, four weeks now. Yeah, we had had a a monsoon this year. (laughs) Yeah, baby. More, More rain and than the last two summers combined so far yeah. and that was before last night so I, I don't i won't ever complain about rain in the desert <laughs> like rainy night in georgia and kentucky rain you know, sometimes we just nail it on the head. And if you get our home maintenance calendar, August picture in there just really nailed it. We had a nice wet August so far, and we've got a beautiful picture of a rainstorm, a little lightning bolt going across the desert. And there's just something about when the rain and the lightning comes, the color of green that everything just, I mean, it, it's, it's instantly just so much deeper and richer. It's... I love this time of year in Arizona. It's nice to look at Black Mountain and see green. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Camelback Mountain, too. A lot of creosote, yeah. um, the smell after the rain. There, um, w- there was a So quick- with the Tree Care um, for Wildlife and Birds, it's a committee actually run by the Western Chapter of ISA. 
And there's a website, treecareforbirds.org. Hmm. And they actually have a best management practice that is now in a, a final draft. And pretty soon it'll be available on that website. Um, and what we're doing in the Western Chapter um, is we're training arborists to look out for birds. We actually are going to have arborists trained and knowing how to, what seasons to do their pruning in so that you don't interfere with nesting. Um, and also, you know, just just looking out for them. Right? And that obviously isn't going to be a perfect scenario because you're, like you said, your crew's booked to October right now, Sarah. So it's not like, you know, you can afford to sit around and not be trimming trees or doing maintenance and then all of a sudden get, you know, all the all your customers done in a very narrow window of time. Yeah, we are we are doing Saturday crews and and we do make time for uh, you know trees on houses, emergencies, things like that too. So it's it's not going to be a perfect scenario, but if you're you know managing your own trees at at your home, it's a good resource to to time those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and leaving some habitat, leaving some dead trees, you know, with cavities and you know, those are great wildlife trees if if you have that opportunity. It's true. The in the best uh, practice management booklet, it says you know it's best not to trim during breeding season. Well, we have a really long breeding season for birds here, <laughs> um, so I, I feel bad when people ask me when they should trim, and I say it's basically November is is really the the best time to do it because obviously we we can't just wait until one month to do everything. When you see storms like last night, you don't want the branches falling down, so you do have to trim throughout the year. So part of the tree care for birds is trying to train arborists what to look for. Um, you have to trim those trees sometimes, but be aware that there may be a nest in there and see if you can wait until after those eggs hatch and the birds fledge. If you can just hold off on that one tree. I work with a lot of construction companies and go out and survey the areas before they have to start their work and, and assess the situation and determine if it's something that I need to remove the nest right then, or sometimes they will work with me and, and hold off on that section until after fledging. But usually with construction companies, they're on a timeline. They have to do it now. And so it's, it's nice that they have biologists come in and that can bring them to Liberty Wildlife and rehab them. Well, I had a really patient customer because we had a bird, active bird nest in a dead branch. And we, we wouldn't cut it out. We left it. And, you know, I had a had his name and his stickum note right on the top of my monitor. <laughs> so when I'm in that area and, you know, I was going to go back and get it, but I guess his landscaper got it before I got back. But, you know, we, we're really careful, and I do keep track of the ones I have to go back and get the branch out, but um, we do protect the nest. And talk about the Liberty Wildlife. Where is it located? Yeah, we have a, a fairly new facility. It's actually going on five years now, but we're just south of Sky Harbor Har Airport, um, right along the Rio Salado. So a really great location, great natural habitat right there. Um, so we're by 24th Street and Broadway. And we started uh, 40 years ago, actually, uh, in a small little house setting and have just grown. And that's why we had to move to this larger location. So now we are not just the hospital setting, but we actually have a facility where people can come visit. We're open to the public on various days. We have private tours and we allow field trips to come in and actually get to look into the windows of the hospital, but also get to meet some of our non-releasable animals so they can get an up-close look at some of the native animals that they live with. It's worth a trip 
just to walk through the owl yeah display is that is that ongoing i mean the owls you had attack me are they there all the time they are we don't let everybody in with the owls um <laughs> you, you got a little bit of special treatment when you came to to visit us but we actually when we are open to the public our volunteers are there our education volunteers will take um birds out of their enclosures so it's not just walking by and seeing them in enclosures kind of at a distance you actually can get up close really learn about them really see them get great pictures and even you know pose with them so you can be right next to a great horned owl I will post that video we took that day. Yeah. It was yeah. magical. And I have told all my kids, please take the grandkids down there. Because You've got to. The, you think, oh, River Bottom, you know, well, how, I how nice could it be? Well, I have great outside is, my yard. And it is gorgeous. they're in the big willow acacias. Well, and I was surprised because at one point in that owl cage or whatever yeah. you call it, aviary, yeah. we had about six together flying just within two feet of my head. Romy, when they say owls fly silently, their their prey cannot hear them. No, they are you, designed no. for that. And oh, it, I mean, you cannot even hear them yeah. moving through the air. You just feel it. And that's what's so amazing about when we get to do that with special visitors is as you just feel the air movement, but you don't hear anything. And it it's a magical cool. moment. It was cool. Sure. It really was. Yeah. Their feathers are shaped a certain way, They right? have little uh, special combs kind of on the end. It looks like a comb at the end of their wings to help the air move through so they can have that silent f flight. And they have feathers all the way down to the end of their, their feet, basically, so that they can have that feathering all the way through. So they are truly designed for sneaking up on prey. And your specialty is raptors, and you were saying that in Arizona we have 13 spe owl species? We have 13 different species of owl, with the great horned owl being the largest. Um, at our facility, the smallest one that we have is uh, northern pygmy owl, but there are elf owls out there. We don't get them too often here. Um, so when you get to come visit Liberty Wildlife, you can see a wide range of uh, the different sizes that we have here. The great horned owl is going to be the most common one that you guys, like uh, Sarah has in her backyard, that you hear hooting. But then we've got screech owls and barn owls, which are beautiful, and you rarely get to see them because they are truly, truly nocturnal. So getting to come to Liberty Wildlife is a great chance to see something up close like that. And you said when you're open. Uh, what, what's your – is it by appointment only? No, we actually – our hospital is open every day, and our hotline is run every day. So we still take care of emergencies every day throughout the year. Uh, we do close our public side in August because generally it is not fun to walk around outside um, in August. So starting in September again, I believe September 11th, Saturday, September 11th, we will be open to the public again on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays. Um, in September, it'll be 9 to 11 because it's still hot. But then in October, we open um, 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. on those days. How, how can I support Liberty Wildlife. We appreciate that since we are a nonprofit. Uh, you can go to www.libertywildlife.org and we can we will welcome anything that you can give, whether it is a monetary donation, whether it's an item off our wish list, or if you want to come in and volunteer. That's obviously very important to us. There are only a few of us that are actually paid to be there and help the facility run. Otherwise, we have about 250 to 300 volunteers that are everyday people that sometimes come in off the street not knowing a thing about animals, just know that they love them and they want to work with them. And they go through an orientation process and get started hands-on pretty much the first day that they come into Liberty Wildlife to volunteer. Very cool. And we're Sarah's brought you all in today just to talk about the importance trees are to the bird habitat. And as I understand, we have a... Uh, a reduced bird population worldwide over the last, uh, I, I don't know, 
70 years. 70 years. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. It's, o- it's always declining as we increase in populations for sure. <laughs> and so planting a tree can help uh, encourage that habitat. We had a texture call in and say, okay, love birds. I've got trees. I've got bird baths there. You mentioned you've got two on the ground, two up high. She says, but how do I keep my bird habitat from becoming the neighborhood cat snack? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and, and cats, I was, was saying that humans are, you know, a, a real detriment to habitats and everything. With humans come all these these cats that we brought in, and they, of course, are predators to most of our birds. So it is... It is a problem that we are trying to to work with some of the humane societies to figure out how we can um, decrease these. And it's it's tough. Um, it's a lot of uh, trying to um, scare the cats off when they come in, making it less accessible for them, um, promoting maybe a little bit more of the larger predator species that can chase them off when they come in. A lot of people believe that great horned owls will take off with their cats. Um, smaller cats it may and smaller dogs it may. We do warn people not to really leave your animals unattended outside if they're fairly small because they will go after something if it's in their territory. They can't fly away with something that's heavier than them really. So um, it's not like they're going down to catch your cat to necessarily eat it, but they will protect the area. So if you promote um you know, getting bird boxes and having healthy branching facility areas and having water to bring birds in, um, getting those predators there will definitely ward off some of the feral cats. Yeah, I don't know that I can help you with cats because <laughs> there's too many coyotes where I live. <laughs> so and, you've got natural predators out there. Yeah, and there's them down. a lot of ki- urban coyotes too. Oh, I mean, I'm in. I'm over at by John Eisenhower's house. Um, on occasion, you know, in 85254, and I see coyotes up and over the fence. Well, the foxes and the bobcats are coming in more and more, too. So we're seeing a lot more of those natural predators coming in. As the resources in in the outskirts were getting dry, they were having to come into more of our area. So, and I'll tell you this. If you look up ultrasonic cat repellents, there are electronic deterrents that you can put out and make a perimeter around your yard. It might take three or four. Um, do they make those for pigeons? <laughs> Supposedly. Some people that- claim that they do. Some people also, um, I've seen them putting down different um, cinnamon-smelling kind of sticks in areas. But like I said earlier, birds don't really have a sense of smell, so I don't know how effective those would be. Okay. Pigeons. <laughs> And mosquitoes in the same category with me. They're useless. <laughs> I hate them. Well, getting into <clears throat> fall, though, now we want to remember to do some fertilization on some of the trees, um, you know, just to help them with some. We have a product called Arbor Kelp that I, I just have had such good result with. And also, um, it, it helps with recovery. I mean, it's been a, a couple of years of pretty hard, harsh weather. And I'm just so glad that the Lord sent us some rain, <laughs> and we have a great monsoon this year. Yes, amen. More than we got the last two years combined. Gary, what did you say about the monsoon now has exceeded spring melt? So far, this year's monsoon has exceeded the snow melt uh, in uh, from the uh, from the Mugion Wren, according to SRP, and and wow, the the winter runoff. I like when they just say it was minute, very minute. <laughs> yeah, that article you sent it was 104 acre feet of snow melt, and then these rains and 
uh, this monsoon is at 125. And again, wow. that was before yesterday's uh, rainfall. And somebody uh, in the comment section, I believe that was off of KTAR's website, and the comment section was like, yeah, but this isn't water we can use because it all runs down the river and out. And I'm like, uh, no, we use it. <laughs> we, we, we use it. You should use it, for sure. Do a catchment system and uh, use it to help with your landscaping. (laughs) (laughs) Only Gary D can find stuff like that. We are talking trees. We're also talking birds today. Sarah Maitland's brought in Laura Hackett from the Liberty Wildlife. You guys, this is our final segment. Um, I'll just turn it over to you all to finish the final talking points because I know uh, we're going to have a hard time just even squeezing those in these last few minutes here. Well, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and I got a text message from my sister-in-law this morning from Illinois, and she said, fall is in the air. I can smell it. And I guess it was like 45 degrees there. And I guess August, you start thinking about fall and Thanksgiving and the holidays. And I I just wanted to mention, everybody, think ahead on your holiday decor um, because Save-A-Tree does holiday decor. And they um, we were acquired by Save-A-Tree, but they, they have a big branch in Denver, and they do the Denver Botanical Gardens. And it's magnificent holiday decor. It, it's not just putting lights up. It's maintained. It's um, it's put up, maintained, packaged away for you at the end of the season. Oh, there's like even, that. I don't know what the discount is, but if you get them up before Thanksgiving, there's even a discount. And and it's just incredible holiday decor. And, and I just, it's beautiful. I did a ranch last year that was magnificent. Yeah, it was really cool. Ooh. So it's something I would encourage people to to look into and have one of our arborists come out and speak to you about it. I think I'm going to have to do that because we, the last two or three years, we just get so busy and uh, I I never get it done. But the the years in the past where I get it done, just, I mean, the kids love it. The neighborhood, neighbors comment about just how nice it is. And, you know, it, it just, it helps really experience that whole Christmas season. Oh, with the, and so many of our clients lights. loved it. And the thing is, we do it for you. We do it for you. How would they contact you? Um, our phone number is 602-788-0005 for Save-A-Tree. And um, we'll come in and design something for you. Trees, houses, edges of buildings. Um, it, it's magnificent. We did palm trees last year that were just, oh, Really cool. <laughs> really cool. Very good. I'm going to have to look into that for sure because that's uh, it is something that really just makes the whole time of year that much more special. And then, Laura, if somebody wanted um, to, again, get involved with the Liberty Wildlife. Yeah, we have a website that has a lot of information about what to do when you come across wildlife, what you can do to help us frequently ask questions 
um, educational information. So you can go to libertywildlife.org. I'll let you know we're still we're on social media too, so you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok even, um, where we try to put some educational information about the the animals that you see around us and how you can help them. I'm really I've loved being here talking to you guys because usually we're doing the aftermath of what's happened after an animal is, has lost its home or has been displaced or injured, and so to talk about you know putting in the right trees and making sure that there's habitat for these animals is is obviously the number one thing in helping them, uh, even if you have a small yard, one tree is a great perching spot. So if a bird has to fly a long distance, having that one tree right there for them to have a resting spot is already a help right there. So um, no yard is too small to help all these animals have a habitat. And we had a caller ask, is there something we can do to help rebuild the wildlife that's been, not not necessarily wildlife, but the, the landscapes of these burned out areas. You've got you know, I, I don't even know the names of the fires this year. Well, there's been a bunch, but the bush fire. That's what I mean. There's been so many. The bush fire that started on Bush Highway and burned all the way to Deer Creek yeah, and that was Rye true. and Casilla. I won't even go to Payson up that way you right now. To. You ought well, to. I, I did once. It was just. No, no. You ought to go now. It looks like a golf course. It's absolute. As a matter of fact, Jennifer and I drove through it two weeks ago, and we sent a message to a friend. Drive to Payson. Get a piece of pumpkin pie at Beeline Cafe. You aren't mm-hmm. going to believe how green that whole area is around Sunflower and Guy Silo, Mount Ord. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I can tell you, Rodeo Chetiskai and Wallow Fire, they've come back with aspen trees so thick, my dogs can't even walk through the forest. It's, it is so thick, you can't walk through it without a chainsaw it's gorgeous the white mountains are going to have some of the most beautiful falls we've ever had now it came at a price and a big price and the aspens are always the first tree to come back but i've got a buddy lives up there and i just got a text from him this morning four inches in the last couple weeks he says it's so green up here it's unbelievable and in the desert areas, the creosote, all of the things that come up by roots, the the Celtis pallida, the hackberries, all of those are, are sprouting right back. So, you know, nature has its way of, of recovering, and fire is part of history. I wish nature had a way of finding that guy dragging his trailer chains down Beeline Highway <laughs> and hitting his car with a lightning bolt. <laughs> That's saveatree.com if you'd like to schedule online. Or again, Sarah, that phone number? Uh, 602-788-0005. Thank you all for joining us this Saturday morning. Uh, For those of you that had text questions that we didn't get to on air, we will uh, respond to those during the break. Hang tight. We're coming into our On the House Hour.